Hello, and welcome to a podcast for The Lancet. I'm Gavin Cleaver, and it's March 21st, 2018. Out today on thelancet.com is a series of papers on low back pain. And we all, of course, know someone who's had low back pain at some point in their lives. It's a really complex condition, and one with so many potential causes, be they psychological, social, or biophysical, that treatment methods can vary hugely around the world. I spoke with series lead Rochelle Bookbinder of Monash University in Melbourne, Australia, about some of the factors that can contribute to lower back pain. Uh, there are multiple uh, factors, uh, and it's important to recognise that disabling low back pain is actually overrepresented um, among people with low economic status. And so um, these people have a higher incidence of disability, and this uh, just exacerbates inequality and, and the poverty cycle. Uh, and we know some of the factors that contribute include lifestyle factors such as smoking, obesity and low levels of physical activity that are also related to poorer health. Especially worrisome in low and middle income countries where there are also increasing obesity rates uh, is the rapid industrial growth and consequent reduction in physical activity that occurs in urban areas. Uh, we also know quite a lot about what contributes to the pain persisting or, or causing chronicity and disability. And we know that importantly, uh, psych psychological factors such as depression, catastrophizing and fear avoidance beliefs are really important as are social factors such as um, workers' compensation, ability to have suitable work, and in many low- and middle-income countries, um, there may not be suitable work for people with back pain, uh, and, and as well as the lifestyle factors that I've already mentioned. So what needs to be done to reduce unnecessary tests and treatments for lower back pain? Well, we think that urgent global action is required to halt this continuing rise in back pain disability. Uh, we think that there needs to be much greater recognition uh, that much of the care for low back pain is unnecessary, ineffective and harmful, and is making the problem worse. At the same time, um, it needs also to be recognised that people are missing out on appropriate care, uh, such as advice to exercise and remain active and at work. Uh, and that we think, though, that there are many potential solutions so that safe and beneficial care can be achieved, but this requires much better understanding by policymakers, clinicians and the public. So we have quite a few recommendations in the viewpoint third part of our series that apply to both high-income countries and then low- and middle-income countries. Uh, we want decision makers in all countries to be made aware of the mistakes that are happening now and particularly in low and middle income countries, we don't want them to make the same mistake and pitfalls in low back pain care that's already occurring in high income countries as we know that this wastes scarce resources and harms people. Some of the solutions include thinking about a systems approach, uh, so thinking about whether the system can be changed, uh, what public health needs to do and, and how we need to uh, change clinician behaviour. Of course, all of these things need to be done uh, at a context-specific level in low and middle income countries 
they need to identify whether or not the guidelines that have been developed in high-income countries really do apply to their setting by involving local stakeholders to shape the guidelines that respects local traditions and culture. While incidents of low back pain are increasing all over the world, up over 50% since 1990, this can be partially explained by population growth and an ageing population. However, increasingly it's being observed that incidence of low back pain is rising faster in low and middle income countries. I spoke with series authors Jan Hartvigsen and Nadine Foster about the problems faced by these countries. We have, uh, simply have better data from low and middle income countries about disability. We used to think that back pain was a, a first world problem only for the wealthy countries, but now we have better data from low and middle income countries and we can see that it's actually a global problem. So these things combined uh, has, uh, has increased the global disability or our knowledge of the global disability. Uh, we have to be aware that back pain may be uh, somewhat different in low and middle income countries. First of all, uh, serious diseases like tuberculosis and infectious diseases are more common in low and middle income countries and we should be more aware of that, whereas these diseases are quite uncommon in the spine in higher income countries. We also know that uh, working conditions and, and, and work environment in low and middle income countries are sometimes appallingly bad uh, and, and the labor market is quite uncontrolled, so possibilities for job modification and uh, and sick leave are not really there. So uh, I, I think there are a number of challenges in low and middle income countries and a number of differences between low and middle income countries and higher income countries, uh, both relating to the, the, the nature of the back pain itself and to uh, the society and the system there. So what are some of your suggestions for replacing low value care with more appropriate care? Well, some of the suggestions that we're covering papers, I guess, point to some very simple and promising solutions. You know, the uh, examples in the papers that we, we draw on are something as simple as changing an X-ray or MRI referral form so, uh, and through that reducing the inappropriate referrals for imaging. The idea of providing key educational messages back to clinicians who are ordering imaging for non-specific back pain and seeing that reduce over time, that again, the inappropriate referrals for imaging. So some of the solutions do not have to be very complicated or expensive. Some of them are relatively simple, but we absolutely need to focus more on implementing these better ways of working. I also think we need to look at the way we educate healthcare practitioners, because many curricula for doctors, physiotherapists, chiropractors, osteopaths, and similar, are quite biomedically oriented. And, and we teach the students in our curricula many times to, to, to make the wrong choices. We, we need to take a close look at how we educate our future clinicians. Our series on low back pain is online now at thelancet.com. Thanks for listening.